Well, hello and welcome to episode 168 of the 1099 for the week of October 1st. Holy shit, how is that already? 2018. I'm your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is a big time editor and host at CNET, the king of the rotating chair on the Beast cast, which is barely rotating anymore. A man who loves hockey more than life itself and a returning guest, your friend and mine, Jeff Backlar. Jeff, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me back. I am pleased to be here. This is one of the great pleasures of my week, and uh, <laughs> thank you for affording me that. See, I like usually I'm the one who butters someone up with an intro that has all these fancy titles. I I want everyone to immediately say this is a, one of the pleasures of my week, maybe even month. Like that oh, would make wow. me feel good right away. And I also want to bring up before we get down to the to to business here. Uh, I know, uh, and you and I had talked about this, I think, on Twitter, and I and I still think about it because it was. I feel bad now when I was when we were at E three and we almost crossed paths, and you were telling me you you tried to say hi, and I was recording something, mm. and I felt bad that I wasn't able to stop and for a stop and chat, and uh, you know I'm sorry about that. It's I, it wasn't your fault. I should have just said hi. I was uh, talking to Khalif Adams from Spawn on Me, and then someone else and i saw you yeah you're recording for cnet with i think also mike maharty was there from GameSpot, and then Vinny was up and i was like should i but you guys were so busy and i was all traveling all over the place but eventually we'll, we'll be at the same conference we'll go to something gdc or some shit we'll figure it out one day the stars will line up i promise you that yeah it'll be like 40 years from now it'll be like the notebook i'm going to compare our relationship to the notebook where it'll be oh, like great. way later in life and we'll have this emotional reunion and then all this weird background will play and it'll be great <laughs> <laughs> this is really what we're going to be talking about in the podcast today. What we're actually doing on this podcast today is we're doing another top 10 list. Uh, last time I did one that was the top 10 hidden gems. And the, the caveat was it has to be games that you can download and play today, whether they be PS2 classics or games you can get on Steam or something like that. So for this one, we've been going back and forth what we want to do. And this seemed to be like the kind of immediate winner. So what we're doing this week is... Something that I feel like is going to be a lot of fun and maybe has been done before, but we're going to try to do a twist on it. It is the top 10 side characters that we think should have their own game. And as we were writing this list and editing this Google Doc, what really stood out was instead of just saying, oh, let's take a side character and put them in the exact same style of game that you know the main character is, what about this character would lend itself to a new style of game? Some of this is aggressively sarcastic some of it is not sarcastic at all and should totally be a game uh and i guess we're gonna do 10 of these go back and forth a trade and i think the best way to kick this thing off is for me to just give an example of what we're talking about because my first one is aggro from shadow of the colossus um aggro is a horse and <laughs> let me just make that part clear and like the joke immediately <laughs> could be oh horse simulator there's there's already goat simulator there's already 800 different simulators what if i was just a fucking horse but the real reason this came to mind as i was building out this list was and get ready to get spoiled about some games that you've probably already played because some of these are older uh there's the moment in shadow of the colossus where you're going across that bridge right around the end and aggro like bucks your character off and you get thrown forward and he falls a distance that would kill any human and probably 99% of horses. Definitely. It is a deadly fall. It is an emotional moment where you're like, oh my God, my companion. And in that moment, you expect the main character has been with this horse for way longer than just this game. It's this like close ally, similar to like Epona from Zelda. Did not Zelda. see that coming, yes. Did not see, it comes out of nowhere. And then 
after all the crazy ending stuff happens where you become a giant crazy thing and um, your love wakes up and it's it, you're suddenly a baby, a lot happens in Shadow of the Colossus that out of context sounds insane. Uh, <laughs> Aggro comes and just limps in. Like It looks like maybe both legs in the back are just not doing well and just kind of limping forward. And I'm not saying the entire game should be what happened to Aggro after he fell off the bridge and everything and how did he make it and how did he find it back to that spot. But that needs to be a big chunk of it. I still think about that. I still think about, is that a cop-out that that horse should have totally died but didn't? Should he just have left, but he didn't? So I want the game that is the first time the main character, Wander, or whatever his name is, um, and Aggro meet, how they build that bond. You're going to get the different perspective from the the female lead in that game, which you barely get anything from in Shadow of the Classes because she's like dead the entire time. You'll be able to see (laughs) that relationship building. You'll be able to be... Uh, a baby horse like a teen horse i'm not saying it's like a high school teen drama but you can use your imagination and you go through all these different instances and then you don't have to play through the entirety of what happens in shadow of the colossus but i wanted to skip through that scene where the horse falls where aggro falls and what happens how does he get back how does he nurse himself back how does everything happen from there the game i want more than anything is horse simulator featuring aggro from shadow of the colossus and that is my first side character that needs his own game it it turns out that it's just 11 hours of that horse on the ground just kind of like holding its <laughs> holding its knee do horses have knees i don't I, whatever that joint is this is why we need the game because we could figure out if horses have knees and the horse just going like oh <laughs> oh like that family guy meme right but, like would you kind of play that though you'd at least watch that video i'd watch that it doesn't make any sense that it's like a hundred stories, right? Mm-hmm. It falls and falls and falls. I don't understand. The horse comes back and is like, "Oh, you know, uh, hell of a hell of a couple of weeks I had there." <laughs> the doctor says, "With a little PT, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it through." I don't even know how long that like I don't know the the, the span of time between when Agro fell and when he got back. I'm right. not even sure. It might be like an hour. It might be Who knows? a few days. <laughs> But that's the important info I need. And that's the weirdest part of the game. That's the, somehow the weirdest part of that game that I still can't figure out. You got to think like at some point someone made the decision to be like, oh, I, I guess we can't like kill the horse. Let's yeah. just, yeah, let's bring it back. Well, it's, that would be the least weird thing to happen in this game. It would be like in I Am Legend if the dog suddenly came back and you're like, wait, <laughs> there's no possible way this dog could be back, right? But it's like one person had a change of heart where they're like, no, it's too much. We can't do this. But that is about as unlikely it is as aggro coming back from that fall. I just Totally. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, that's mine. And that was half sarcastic and half I would play that game. What is, what is your f- first entry into this? All right. Well, it's tough for me to take really anything seriously, but I... I <laughs> So I, I've had a lot of these kind of floating in the back of my head. Um, I just, for me, I, I, my list is more, some of them are kind of serious. Some of them were kind of like, well, that would be weird. Um, and I think that's the appropriate description of this first one. Uh, this, this, this game would probably play out like an extended version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But my, <laughs> my first pick is Barry uh, Wheeler from Alan Wake. Uh, that is the, he's, he's most famously depicted as the, the dude with the Christmas lights wrapped around his torso. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would love to play a game where he's like this New York sort of literary agent 
who has to go up to, you know, the, the mountain town and sort of just pick up after all of Alan Wake's bullshit, kind of wrangling him and getting him in order. He said, Alan, you have to you have to write something. You have to give me something to bring back to the publisher. I'm your manager. I'm your agent. This is getting ridiculous. Your advance. Well, how much of your advance do you have left? This can't be good for business. Please get it together. And, you know, I, I remember in that game, he was like always complaining about allergies and just like <laughs> whining so much like so, which I guess is like a stereotype associated to some New Yorkers who aren't just constantly breathing in carbon monoxide and taking the subway everywhere. Um, so I think that would be a really funny display of of uh, a video game right there. Barry is, Wheeler, I don't know what you would call this. Is this like I a management know. sim more than anything else? So are See, you, is there like, here's my funds that I'm getting based on what Alan Wake actually writes. Here's the cut to different people. You need to make sure you're not pushing him away while he's shooting stuff in the woods. Like, what what do you picture this being like? Well, that's a really good point. So I don't recall, It's been a, it's been a while since I've played this game. I don't remember him doing any... He doesn't like fight the darkness, right? He sort of just like so. runs away. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking your motivation in this game is to just kind of keep Alan Wake in line long enough for you to get paid. Okay. <laughs> long enough for those checks not to bounce, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, that's that's your as as you know, the, your agency there is like keep him in line. Less distractions, the better. I realize we're in a mountain town where some sort of evil force has decided to invade and we have to, you know, shine flashlights at it and shoot it and do what we have to do. But at the same time, time is money. So that to me would be your driving force to keep him in check. Two questions. So first off, so is, is Barry fully aware of all the weird supernatural shit, but not that worried about it because he still needs to get paid? Is that the main conceit? I think that's like the the comedy of this game where okay. he's faced with this clearly, you know, he's a skeptic, right? He's a New Yorker. He's a skeptic. He's probably like, oh, there's no, this ghosts aren't fucking real. What, what are we doing here? And he sees them firsthand. There's no way to deny it. But still, but still, he doesn't quite buy it. <laughs> so, so that would kind of be the comedy of it. As he's faced with this undeniable evidence, yet he still kind of shakes it off. And uh, again, only motivated by money. Uh, next important question, even if he is only motivated by money, could this also have a moral side to it that you can get more attached to the person who is Alan Wake and become friends? And then maybe the money is less important, but it'll give you a better ending. Is this going to be no matter what? He's just ruthless. Give me these checks. That's all I care about. Or can you insert an emotional friendship arc to this? So that's like his meter, right? That's like yeah. his morality meter <laughs> yes. where it's like, is it so that both ends of that spectrum are greed and then just like the other side's not even like an, it's just says the word human, right? <laughs> so, then you have to and you, the, your your choices in the game will decide which end of the spectrum you fall on. So, yeah, we I'm sure we could develop that in there. All that right. doesn't seem like a very far, uh, far off concept. So I I'm, I'm happy to include that. I would I would play it. I would think it would be funny. I would think, you know, he didn't he didn't really get around too easily. So even the the, the smallest of obstacles would present a major challenge for Barry. So uh, that would be a lot of fun to play. And most games are about saving the world. We need some more games that are about like everyday shit with the yeah, backdrop of the surreal or yeah, it's like grounded even though there's ghosts. 
that's totally. maybe that's I the, love that. I love the idea of like it's almost like a Ghostbusters like mentality where it's like, oh yeah, supernatural stuff that no one thought existed up until now. Let's just kind of remain snarky. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> like that. <laughs> remain snarky is a great motto too. There's uh, yeah, there's a lot of great shit that could happen in this game. I would totally play this game. I'll bring this up to my team and be like, can we get the Alan Wake license and then make this really weird Barry Wheeler management sim and then I'll immediately get fired but i know it'll be a good idea i'll show them this audio Wait, so uh, where is the alan wake i know like remedy is is right they've got to have it still they're right? doing like what is it like a netflix show they're doing some sort of alan wake show now right oh right that came that news came out recently right i yeah. think we covered it on the show like like someone's finally doing this the way it should be done or at least oh the show that has a show in it and is basically you know a, a twin peaks kind of inspired thing Let's make this an actual show. Yes. So okay, maybe so good. maybe we'll get the Barry Wheeler stuff in there. I hope he's in there. I hope they listen to this. It's, you know, this podcast is very big in TV circles. So you just, you wait. They'll get all You'd these ideas surprised. and more royalties. You'd be uh, surprised. <laughs> so my second one, I'm just going to initially read my first two notes on this to give an idea of the, the forethought I had. Um, so my second is Dreadman893 from Metal Gear Solid 4, who is the the traveling salesman of different black market guns that you get all these ID tags off of so that you can just immediately use them. The first two notes I have are one, he has a monkey Two, he's cool and drink soda. Um, I'm not sure if he's cool and drink soda is more about Drebin or the monkey, um, <laughs> but it's very important to why I immediately chose him. So the way I picture this, first off, I love Metal Gear Solid 4. I am a, a even number Metal Gear Solid guy because I like the weirder shit. Okay. Um, I respect one and three and I respect five, but give me like weird riding crazy naked run shit. Like I'm immediately like, okay, this is, this is my weird corner of the video game world. I think but, I'm kind of with you on that, except for oh, maybe yes. one. Okay. That's, I, I actually would say four is my favorite. Then it's two, then one, five, three. Oh wow. Five's number four, huh? Yeah. I like five a lot, but five is just, it's so not Metal Gear weird in a lot of ways. Like it has really strong Metal Gear weird moments and it reminds you of why you love that. But then suddenly it's like, yeah, but it's also kind of just more of a video game than any Metal Gear has been, which is totally a different thing. It's just wasn't like scratching the same image. But Metal Gear Solid 4 Dreaded. So he's traveling salesman in this tank, the monkey, all these guns. And what I see this as is Moonlighter recently came out. And Moonlighter oh, is one yeah. of my favorite games of the year. It is exactly the type of game I want because I need a really strong progression loop to keep me interested it's just how my brain works but not so many tasks at once that you get overwhelmed i'm I have like a baby brain where if you give me too many things i'm like done <laughs> i can't play fallout there's too many different icons there's too many side quests if i do that i'm suddenly going to explode and i can't do it and moonlighter does this perfect balance of you go to the dungeon to get the different equipment get the swords get all the different items all the materials you come back to your shop and sell that and use that money to upgrade everything. And it's this loop. It's this loop. And what I picture this game as is you are Drebin who is going to a battlefield, but it's post battle. It is okay. all the soldiers are already been through everything the, the fight is over. It's already been determined and you're going around and you're picking up guns. You're picking up materials. There might be other soldiers patrolling the area that you have to deal with, with stealth or maybe use some sort of monkey combat that I haven't thought all the way through yet. Um, <laughs> You maybe like pour soda on them or something like that and they freak out. So you're trying to get as much of the shit during these sort of dungeon runs, these moments, and then you bring that back to your tank. 
And then you go find people like, let's say, Snake or other soldiers who are walking around and you're selling these items, you're selling these guns, you're selling these materials for a certain set price. You have to find what's the sweet spot. You don't want to go too low. You don't want to go too high. And you use that money to upgrade your tank and upgrade your resources. So it is almost identical to what Moonlighter is, but it is in the backdrop of Metal Gear Solid 4 as Drebin. And it might go before the events of 4. It might go after. It really depends how you want to do it. I also want some weird monkey side stories going on with, I don't even remember the name of the monkey, but again, he's awesome. And I just want to know more about Drebin, but I want it not in a Metal Gear game. I want it in a, going back to management, a marketplace sales game with this really strong progression loop. And that is the video game that if someone released that tomorrow, I would pay $100 for. Wow. Okay. Well, it sounds like you've just like created an alternate universe where, (laughs) where somehow like Konami is licensing out <laughs> the material yeah. from 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 Metal Gear Four, and then going to like the Moonlighter people and just being like, "Hey, do, do this." You know, we worked on the let's do this spinoff yeah. where we where Moonlighter is now acquiring licenses to all these different properties and just sort of like shoehorning that play loop into the game. That's exactly what I just did. And if anyone wants to get on the phone with me and have a conference call about this, I will help. Uh, Again, you can use this audio. I just want some sort of royalties. But yes, that's exactly what I want to happen. I like it. I like the drive. You know, you're you're a person who knows what they want. Yeah, this is a very important part about me. I know exactly what I want. And it's two properties that I have no ownership of and no control over. But please make it happen. Well, this is a safe place to fantasize about that stuff. <laughs> safe spot. Safe fantasy zone is what this podcast really is. Uh, what is your what's your second choice? All right. I'm going to jump around a little bit on my list here. Um, this is definitely more grounded in seriousness. I would like to play a game where I am assuming the role of Delilah from Firewatch. I love this one so much. Okay. Because I remember when I was playing that game, I was constantly oh you know a very in a in a very close second fashion wondering like what her deal was she was this pivotal character who you're immediately introduced to and your only real exposure to her is over the walkie-talkie and she seems to be doing her thing she 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 knows you know a lot about you and and she's a veteran at at, at the job you know being the sort of fire watcher in a tower and I just wanted to know so much more about what her deal was. What what was she doing during the day? What was she was in a tower too, right? Yeah. What was her tower like? Well, what, so what, that, uh, you do actually go. Sorry, you like, go to her end, place. You go to her right? tower, but you just don't get to see her. You there. don't get to see her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wanted to know her moment to moment beats. I want like I was fascinated with her side of the whole thing, and I know like. Her, you know, in this, you know, fantasy, like her gameplay probably wouldn't, you know, deter that much from what you do uh, as the as the main character of the game. But I was always really intrigued by, like, what was going on on that side? Uh, And I thought about that a lot while I was playing that game. And, yeah, I would I would really be truly interested to know, like, what if any, before I came around, like what was, what was going on with her? And again, I haven't played that game in, a, in about a year and a half. I know maybe some of that's been answered, but that's just an intrigue that had stuck with me uh, way past the point uh, of, of time where I was done with that game. Yeah. And I don't think too much of it has been answered. And the, you know, the thing that always stands out to me about that game, and I've probably said this before is 
because you're just playing this one character and you're not seeing anyone else, you're in this very open woods area, but there's so many moments where they're hinting at someone being around, or I think Mm. even early on, you see like a flashlight and it's someone else who is there, but you never get to see that person. And there's the other part where you're at that camp with all that um, equipment Mm -hmm. and you're searching through it and someone, I don't know, there's one point you get hit over the head, but what's weird about that game is you almost... I'm going to call Firewatch a horror game and hear me out. No, I'm with you. It's definitely got that. I was so scared to even see what it would be like to interact with another character because you've only been interacting with nature and you've been talking to Delilah, but it's only over this, this, you know, walkie talkie. And when you, especially that ending sequence where you're traveling to her and it seems like you're going to finally meet her and it's going to be maybe this happy ending. I was like nervous to see this person. It was it, right. not that they would sneak up on me, but when you have a game that establishes a certain style and you don't interact with other people, it's not a loneliness thing, but it, it, there's a certain extent to that. It'd be like Metroid without enemies. And then suddenly someone comes up and I remember having this tension and I really enjoy the ending of Firewatch. It really leaves you in a very specific place where suddenly she's gone and you have a lot of questions like you had mentioned. So I would love to know the other side of the story now that we're at the, in the moment. I was like, that's all we need far enough away from it. Now I'd love to see that other perspective, but also it'd just be cool to see what's it like to have another character. Like the character is so strong in what Firewatch is. And I would mm-hmm. love to see this other side of it. That game works so well because like you said, it's main, uh, it's main kind of like magic trick that it pulls off is, is isolation, right? Yeah. Where it's like that, that whole game is about being alone and, and, you know, I think the horror stuff works so well because you have this insane, uh, you know, overwhelming kind of like fear, a, a feeling of dread because you are constantly alone. And and that's why I think you're completely justified in calling that game a horror game. Like there are plenty of horror, I guess, horror ish movies that not necessarily include all the blood and gore, but there it, it's more of a psychological horror. And, uh, yeah, man, I don't, there's some, I mean, I don't see like Firewatch. I love that game so much. It's just a game that I'm not sure I could go back to exactly because I'm, I'm, I have a fear of tainting my memory of it mm-hmm. because yeah. that memory is so positive and powerful. Uh, I know that might sound like a ridiculous reason to not replay a game, but, uh, that's how strong of a, of a of an initial impression that game left on me. There are certain games that, I, for me, are just meant to be played once, and that is your moment with it. It, it. Usually, it's like a certain time in your life. Maybe outside forces are affecting why it's more potent for you, and then I don't want to go back. My weird, dumb example, which is maybe even a stronger version of that, is I never want to play Heavy Rain again, because in the moment, mm-hmm. I really loved that thing, and I know going back, I'd be like, boy, this acting is terrible. This writing is a mess. Here's all these plot holes, but it just worked so well in that moment when I played it, like the magic they were going for worked on me and maybe it's a trick. Well, hundred percent it's a trick, but that's the version of the game I want to remember. And I want to move on from it and be like, I loved heavy rain. And someone's like, it was bad probably, but I liked it in the moment and that's all I need. And firewatch is a better game, much better written um, and maybe would still hold up. But I, I feel like I've, I have, I've had my time with that specific story, but I'd be ready for the other side of it. That's your next uh, top 10, by the way. Yeah, it is. That's uh, actually a really good idea. That's I'm pocketing that one. No one steal that. It's a full handshake on this. There uh, it is. <laughs> my number three is going to be Jekt from Final Fantasy X. 
And most people will say that the main character who needs a, a side story from Final Fantasy X is Orin because he's this fucking awesome dude with a giant sword. And why is his arm always tucked into his shirt like that? Uh, but no, I disagree. Because Jack is actually the cool one. So Final Fantasy X, one of the main problems is Titus sucks. Uh, the main character, Titus Titus, whatever you want to call him, is this giant man baby. He's annoying as hell. There's the awful laughing scene that no one will ever forget until the end of time. Um, but his dad, who ends up being this essentially sin at the end and this major villain, is this fucking crazy, has all these glory years, blitzball star. He's a legendary guardian. He actually travels with Orin. So one of the big things is you would have young Orin on your squad the entire time. But they talk about how when you see Jack later on, uh, he ends up being this really arrogant person. He's this just big old douchebag who you kind of have a resolution with at the end. But I want to see the moments where he, you know, he's he's with Titus's mom at the start. He goes off to do his guardian shit. He starts out being someone who might actually be good and just and all this stuff. What turns him into this arrogant asshole? He, in a lot of moments, struggles to show any sort of emotions towards Titus. What was the actual reason for that? How did he get to this point? There's so many stories about him. And there's a couple of flashbacks in Final Fantasy X that kind of clue you in on that. But I am, even with its flaws, I think I gave the Final Fantasy X remake like an 8 out of 10 or something on GameSpot. It's, I really enjoyed that specific game and that might also be a time and a place thing but when I replayed it I still found a lot of joy in it and here's something that you never hear but I'm going to say it and I stand <laughs> by this brave statement. What if there was more Blitzball? Jeff, what if there was more Blitzball in this Final Fantasy X version where you just play as Jack? So so I'm, I will be honest here. Mm -hmm. Well first off out of the gate I, I did not play Final Fantasy X. Okay. okay. So here's the thing. Saw your, I saw your, your, your pick here okay. uh, a couple days ago, and I, I, wick, I, I searched the internet for Jekt to, to understand more about this person and why uh, he would be uh, a great independent, you know, have his own game sort of thing. And my goodness, the internet <laughs> is very divided yeah. on, the mor on the morality of this person. Yes. And this and not only that but oh my goodness is there is there some canon going on with this guy dude there's so, it's it's massive so what like and i know we're i'm not about to ask you to summarize his importance to the series and and all that sort of stuff but like seems like this is the person that deserves their own game more than anyone in this entire universe i agree with you and like it's it's he becomes this it's not a side character again there's this crazy and it's not even worth getting into where he does become this final villain type thing but he's more of an idea than a person again i'm not getting all the way into this he's but, more of an idea <laughs> than a, that's the that's the tagline on that, the box art god damn, yeah actually that's pretty good that's gonna be on the back <laughs> um so there's so much going on with him and he's actually probably the most complex character because i was thinking like Oh, you could do Kamari, who's like this weird, crazy blue person, or Waka, who is this other like Shaka bro, blitzball guy. But the actual most interesting deep character is Jack, that you don't really get to see as much as you want. They they sprinkle it in, but you could have like a fucking trilogy about him. And you know how it ends for him. And like that's the one downfall is I've always been this way with 
I get bummed out when a new thing is a prequel because part of me is like, I kind of know how the story ends and it's nice having the filler to see where you, how you got there. But there's always just the like, yeah, but like this guy dies. I already know he does. But in this case, there's so much you could do with it. There's so there's like a built in story there already. And I'm saying we just cancel the Final Fantasy VII remake and we make Final Fantasy X colon Ject. Or or at least give Ject his own Blitzball game. Oh, my God. You would get so people hate Blitzball so aggressively. And I have the soft spot for it because I'm a bad person. And I have weird memories of liking Blitzball that if I... People, this will not be a popular segment of this podcast, but I would, if this game has like 20% Blitzball, I'd be totally fine. I want modern console Blitzball. And you just get like, you for, you somehow trick and force Psionics into like <laughs> just developing that part of the game. I think they might be, like, be in LA. So I, again, this, this, this podcast is going to constantly just like make some phone calls and they're like, who the hell are you? I'm like, I got this, this podcast is turning into just evidence i, I know well, what's happening i maybe i should even release it because these are these ideas are just too damn good i don't <laughs> want anyone to steal this shit so that's my third choice jacked from final fantasy 10 excellent uh i will follow up that submission with um uh, i guess my last three are are more safer of the safer variety but i think I think, again, they, they include the humor element that I'm kind of trying to go for as well. I would uh, want to play, and maybe this is just reserved for like a DLC pack somewhere down the road for a game that'll never exist. But I want to play, I always wanted to play as Sully from Uncharted. <laughs> yeah. Or as I call it, Uncharted. <laughs> I was um, wondering if that was a spelling mistake or intentional. Nope. nope. It is a New England Uncharted. <laughs> uh, I love the fact that Sully just sort of shows up in the right place at the right time, even though he is a seemingly late sixties, possibly out of shape man. (laughs) Every mission where, where Nathan Drake is basically falling off a cliff or his car won't start or something awful is about to happen. Here comes Sully lit cigar in the mouth because you know he had time to really milk that thing and get it all cherried up for him to just puff away as he's driving the Wrangler out of the out of the erupting volcano. I want to play a game where you're just always in the where the mission is to be in the right place at the right time. And just like you could throw in like like weird cigar mini games. <laughs> oh, I, I would, would love, love that. I love this idea. Right, I would love that. I would love like you have to you have to select the quips you'll you'll be spouting for for times that seem like they're uh, of extreme panic, but you but you diffuse those situations with some sort of shitty pun, and that is the game. And and like I said, every every car you attempt to start stalls. <laughs> every every key breaks off in the ignition. <laughs> every you know every stone you unturn is a scorpion. And that is the 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 hell life that Sully must live. And in this game, you must play. I I have one additional idea for this that ties into everything please, you just said. Please. You mentioned thinking of these correct quips and you get to choose kind of like your one liners, like with a the, like the let's blow this popsicle stand moments where suddenly Drake jumps into the car. You're about to turn it on and you have to deliver one of four. I think. The, the smoothness of your delivery and choosing the most appropriate, funny, and cool 
uh, quip should determine whether or not the car stalls. Yes. So if that you... is the that is the active reload exactly. of, of this game. <laughs> it is an active dialogue reload where if you say like, let's uh, escape and not get the car dirty. Drake's like, what the dude, come on, Sully. This is a really important moment where you need to nail this. But if you like actually really kill it and say, let's blow this popsicle stand. Boom. You turn the keys. Ignition goes on and you go and it helps you moving forward. So your dialogue like and your level of cool sidekickness is what's actually going to get you there. It'll also decide how many pieces of of glass shard you'll be picking out of Nathan's forehead. Because at the end of every mission, Lord knows there's plenty of glass stuck inside Nathan Drake's body that you guys kind of just like, you know, over like maybe a glass of whiskey, you kind of just take those out, you know, in like your in your motel that you that you're holed up in. So there's definitely a game. There's a mini game where you're making it old fashioned and you have to make sure you do it correctly. The right amount of ice, the right sugar, the right bitters, everything like that. But the same glass idea. Remember Trauma Center, I think, on the DS. Yeah, I want that. There's there's that mini game for removing the glass from Drake. And if you do it poorly, he'll have less health on the mission. Right. It's like the it'll be like the operation, you know, like that that kind of like plastic piece picking out sort of thing. (laughs) And that is my game. And man, talking about it with you, developing it out loud, kind of want to play that for real. I want to play this more than Uncharted 5. Like, I don't, I don't want that thing. <laughs> Give me, like, I don't want this to be an origin story either because we saw a little bit of an origin of Sully and Uncharted 3, I think. I just want this to be every moment where Drake is out doing stuff. What the fuck is Sully doing? Yeah, he's out, you know, Drake's out doing all the murder that he does. <laughs> And then uh-huh. you show up and as like you're, you know, you kind of have a comic relief, but people really, you don't get laughs. You get more of like smirks than anything mm-hmm. else. And that's, that is your, that is your life. You must live. That is your existence. I so. love this idea so much. People <laughs> should pay us for this shit. I'm going to, again, I'm holding this podcast and I'm sending it to very specific developers. We've got some workable stuff here. It's it's at least marginally workable, which is way more than what I thought this would actually be. Um, okay. My next one is Mumbo Jumbo from Banjo-Kazooie. And I, I like am this. a massive Banjo-Kazooie fan. And I appreciate what, was it Nuts and Bolts or whatever it was called on the Xbox 360 did. But it wasn't the game I was looking for. Then Ukulele came out and still there was just something missing. And maybe in reality, the key thing is it's really hard to make a 3D platformer with this big collectible aspect to it in 2018. Like that idea, not all concepts translate from generation to generation. Right. But if we don't have that, give me this. Give me a Harry Potter style video game with a focus on magic, maybe over the shoulder with a wand. But instead, you're playing Mumbo Jumbo, the lovable wizard shaman man from Banjo-Kazooie. So he's already has this ability in certain games to turn people into ants, alligators, pumpkins, and different things to deal with specific situations so either you could do it that you change yourself into that and suddenly are able to get through certain areas almost metroidvania style where you cannot progress until you learn how to make someone a crocodile or make someone a bird to get through some higher spot (laughs) or maybe you just do this magic on someone you instantly become that character so there's there's a certain aspect of that almost like a like inserting your consciousness into something <laughs> okay uh, there's this entire feud he has with humbo wumbo which i think is her name from the series um who's i want to know a little bit of the origin of that or if not the origin this could be a little bit in the future and they're still going back and forth she's not an antagonist more as a rival like ash and gary style from pokemon where along the way she's always there doing stuff or maybe trying to 
take something from you or take your business. Um, yeah, again, it shouldn't be diffused. It should be continuing. Exactly. Yes. yes. It should be a continued thing throughout. There's going to be an actual main villain and whether that wants to be Grunty or someone else, maybe even see Banjo along the way. But the star of this game is Mumbo Jumbo, who you can use also the wand. Again, I want this like third person shooter style. You can even have an entire sequence where it's a flashback where you see him in like fucking magic school, which would be even more Harry Potter. I feel like there's a lot with this character that's unexplored and it, it could still, it, I'm thinking like third person shooter, but it also has a lot of these platforming elements. There's the puzzle aspect of making sure you're using the right spell and doing different things to progress through certain areas. And there's also this entire Metroidvania aspect of getting abilities and only being able to progress to certain spots after you use them. It is 3D, not 2D. And I, this is maybe just a really big swing to get a new Banjo-Kazooie game that I want, even if it might be a thing I think I want, but I really don't want as soon as it's made. But if it needs to be made and made different, this is the best way to do it. I haven't considered if there's actually like a Kazooie to the Mumbo. Is there someone who is with him so that there's like yeah. more dialogue throughout? Do you even need that? Maybe. Nope. Oh, I just thought of it. Okay. So let's say you have this sort of pet that goes with you. That's the thing you could transform into different things and then use it to get to different areas. So instead of just randomly magicking enemies, you're doing it with a buddy. So you could totally have a pet with you the entire time. It's still a work in progress. It's not, the game hasn't gone gold nope. yet. We're not even in alpha, but no, this is but what I I'm like thinking. it. And this people want this though. Yes. Like, like if what you describe, like people, are st- I think like a lot of these sort of platformers have maybe underwhelmed the, uh, people in the last five years where like they seem like they were coming back in a big way, but, you know, maybe never really stuck the landing. This is what people want. This is the right direction to go. We've now pivoted into sage development <laughs> advice. Okay, I- this is. This is this is entering a new level here. I have a dumb question. Well, it's not a dumb question. Why do you think these 3D platformers aren't working anymore? Because you know the reviews came out for ukulele, and there's, I guess maybe I didn't go. It's been a while since I played much of that, but there was just something that felt off about that one. It didn't have the mm-hmm. same charm. There's, and uh, we talk about time and place games, and maybe stuff like Donkey Kong 64 and Banjo Kazooie and all that stuff is very just time and place and era, but. Could you see yourself being really into a 20 to 30 hour 3D platformer collectathon, or does it need another aspect? It's a good, that's a really good question. I don't think anyone's really answered it. I, I don't know why those games haven't worked. I, whenever I would try them, I, I think it's my initial impression that sort of is me saying, oh, not this shit again. <laughs> and it's not for any lack of not wanting to play it. I think it's just. You know, I don't think we are always um, aware of the rapid pace in which games change. Yeah. And for whatever reason, and and I know that sort of flies in the face of like, well, why do 16-bit side-scrollers seem to like work endlessly? And I don't know, maybe that's just like the perfect formula. Um, But for whatever reason, these 3D platformers just aren't doing it. And maybe because they're not kind of moving the needle a little bit. I I really don't know. I mean, you know, again, this is is contradicting the way I feel about some of, you know, there was a slew of those 16-bit side scrollers or whatever, however you want to describe them. But like, you know, I'm playing the new Mega Man and that's really good. And I really like that. And I... And I love that Axiom Verge game. And, you know, I think like those work for some reason, but these for whatever the reason is, they fail to make that kind of leap 
and no pun intended. I was waiting for the no pun intended. Uh, but uh, oh, I, well, right, I, oh, brother. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Something I think about with that too, and I always use the um. There's the Ratchet and Clank remake, which was based off the Ratchet and Clank movie or whatever. That was essentially the first game, but they added a whole bunch of the later Ratchet and Clank stuff. They updated the visuals. They added stuff so that it felt. It gave you that huge wave of nostalgia for what that first Ratchet and Clank was, but felt modern. It's almost mm-hmm. like this is what I remembered this game as, but it was not this good. They just updated right. it just enough. And I feel like with a lot of 3D platformers, they're missing that element where they're bringing back exactly what you played when you were younger, but they're not updating it so that it feels like a 2018 thing. And I think maybe with games like Axiom Verge and games like Mega Man, they're adding enough modern mechanics and modern polish that it feels like when you were a kid but still feels relevant and interesting in 2018 and so i guess what i want is a game that pushes things forward in a lot of interesting directions whether it be progression rpg elements something that you can add to one of these 3d platformers that allows it to be both this really great nostalgic rush but also modern enough that you're not like oh i'm just playing an n64 game that looks a little bit better yeah i buy that and and maybe that was like sort of what i was maybe getting towards um (laughs) but you know i think like for whatever reason we accept that sort of like idea of like remaking something up until a point and you know it is probably this like intangible you know thing to describe but you know the games that do incorporate even you know uh segments of the nostalgic stuff and contemporary stuff they kind of do deliver where, yeah. yeah, I mean, there were, there were, there was a couple of them, right? It was ukulele. What was the other one? I forgot. There was, I feel like there's a lot that was being a kickstarted and I forgot the second yeah. one, but there was definitely, and it got me excited because those are some of my favorite games. Those are some of my favorite memories is those style of things. I would max those out because I do love the collectathon thing. And now that I'm older and have more responsibility than when I was a kid, it's harder to do that shit, but none of yeah. them scratched the itch fully it gave you like an idea of why you loved it but it didn't fully let you know like oh these are still viable today and maybe that's just like a kind of not unsolvable but a difficult to solve thing i mean we can only solve so many issues in this one podcast i think we've solved like seven no Um, we're definitely we've definitely hit our quota but yeah yeah we've made the world better and you can only expect so much from us at this right point. now it's like extra credit yeah well you know? i feel like after the first like breakthrough it's probably all extra credit because no one expected <laughs> anything beyond that so we're fucking nailing this uh, let's continue nailing it what is your fourth uh okay i uh i'm gonna say that i would like to and again i i, I prefaced my last pick with the fact that i am now entering safe territory <laughs> also, i also want to re-apologize for my idiot dog marty it adds a uh, lot who's to this. barking i'm sure you're you're reeling in your, in your seat over there um so i would like to play as uh splicer okay now i know oh everyone i just heard everyone in in simultaneously smacking their foreheads of course you'd want to play as a splicer right but what i want to do now look the reason is complicated okay it's not just because you know yes it would be really cool to like design your raggedy shitty costume at the beginning right where you like choose which kind of broken rabbit mask you want to wear and where you would put the blood splattering and and you know which leg do you limp on in that kind of thing that would all be fun and i think we'd all enjoy that a great deal but they also in that game in that first bioshock game 
they kind of move in a way that no one else, no other character in that game moves. They're climbing up walls. Yeah. They're they're like spiders on the ceiling. Like they're doing some pretty wild shit. And, you know, I get it. It's because the plasmids, you know, made them crazy and they're all unstable. But like, I want to be that. You know, you your character, you never really get to the madness of it all. Like I know you, you know, you you, you have shades of it and there's like, there's sort of slices of that. But I really want to go all in. And maybe what you do is maybe you make this game like you were the one good splicer. Oh. Right? Like maybe this is like a rogue one story. Okay. Where like where like you were like if it wasn't for this splicer, I don't know. Something, you know, you you know, rapture, I don't know, would have had an even worse outcome. I don't know how that's possible. It seems <laughs> pretty bad when you got there. But maybe you wouldn't have even been able to have the opening for for the you know your character to to come in and and have that uh you know narrative that you that you do have in that first one. So again, a lot of this goes back to my selfish desire to go back to that world and see more of that world and uh, kind of forget a little bit about Infinite and just go back to Rapture. Um, I'm not saying Infinite was a bad game. I just have fonder memories of the of the first Bioshock game. Uh so yeah, I think that is what I would want to do and I think maybe I shouldn't have glossed over that costume building part cuz as much as cuz that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and you know, I know in some of the DLC you kind of see Rapture before it, you know, the shit hit the fan, but to go back there and to explore some of those relationships and what what was really going on in 58 that would have been all right um so i don't know maybe call it like you know you figure out a title for it to be a splicer's rogue one story it has to probably have the word rapture in it i feel like it almost has to (laughs) right like i I mean it would be too on the nose but why the hell not that's yeah this whole thing is about being on the nose how far (laughs) so for this game are you starting from when Rapture was still Rapture and then you see everyone start to deteriorate around you and then you're the one who's barely holding on to your sanity, but there's still like you're definitely changing. You're definitely not a good person, but you still have just enough humanity to make it through. Or do you start when everything's already hit the fan? I think you start before because the 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 big draw, the big gimmick for this game would be you playing as you slowly descend into madness, okay. right? So that is like the big sort of mechanic where like, you know, first you're walking upright, right? <laughs> and by the end of the game, you're just crawling around on ceilings like, you know, a spider. So that would be a fun progression to experience and to play out. I think that would be really cool. Is- and your character, I would love uh, for your character to be sort of like maybe some be a part of some kind of underground resistance oh. before shit really got nuts. And, you know, I don't know what that story looks like, but I think it would be cool to explore some kind of uprising, some kind of resistance like Ryan resistance before, um, you know, things really got out of hand. and to take it and maybe you maybe that story ends in the middle of the first Bioshock game, which would be a great prequel. Um, that would be something I, I would be really interested in playing, especially like wouldn't it have been wild to be around when they first introduced plasmids. Yeah. Right. Where you're like, 
oh, what? And everyone's talking about it. And you're like, wait, you could do what? Yeah. You know, instead of just having it, uh, you know, the way you're presented with it in the first game. Um, I'm sorry, Ken Levine, for destroying <laughs> your, your, your story. But that would be cool. Uh, I would totally be down to play that. I want to say Bioshock is not dead from this world. But uh, if it's if it does come back, this was this would be the type of Bioshock I'd want to play. I'm saying if we're in an E3 press conference and you suddenly see a Bioshock title, you're going to get excited. Like that's that's of course that's when you know Bioshock is not dead in terms of the actual interest in it. And I know this is like super reductive, but is there kind of a we happy few side to this? I know we happy few kind of stole from Bioshock, but you mentioned maybe like you're dealing with the plasmas, watching the people around you go a little nuts, trying to like keep your sanity. It's sort of the joy aspect of what we happy few is where you're popping the pill and you're mm-hmm. trying to decide whether or not it's worth it because it'll make you better in the moment, but it could make you an awful person later on. There's probably a little bit of that without it. This being a full blown like survivor game. There is. And, and I think you could make the argument that that is the best part of we happy few. <laughs> yeah, that first sort of, you know, movie there. So, uh, so yeah, the I think first like, hour of that game is really interesting. It's, it's it. And it's then, right there. And then it, then it keeps going. Then it just it then it just continues, and you're like, "But what about that stuff?" And but no, there's more. But, sort of. Yeah, but sort of. <laughs> there's there's this like supposedly more, but it's that's I've now I think I've played that intro like three different times on three different versions of that, and every time I get sucked back in. But then it becomes what we happy few actually is. But I like your game way better than we happy few now. But um, but seriously, I I haven't had this conversation. I haven't had this conversation seriously. In, in a while uh do you think there is more bioshock out there yes i don't know if it's currently in development or if um there's actually like a big plan out there a pitch deck for what the next bioshock is but if there is a game oh, that's definitely out there well I, I, let me i don't think there's a there's a i'm not sure if there's a pitch deck that has been shown to publishers and that they are considering as we speak um sure more of I still think, and like I said before about the seeing that on E3 stage, because it still has that value, this is definitely a candidate for a five to 10 years from now. If you told me that there was a new Bioshock game and everyone's really fucking excited, I would not be shocked. It seems like something that maybe it won't come back in 2019 or 2020, but this, this could be one of those games where it's like, you haven't thought about Bioshock in 10 years, right? Well, here you go. Here's the new one. And I think that's a possibility. That'd be something. It would be something. I mean, I would... I, I wouldn't clap because you know I'm not clapping at press conferences. I'm no, I don't clap. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, would in, on the inside be like, "That's pretty cool. That's a, that's what yeah, I, my emotions get at a press conference." Um, oh, the, yes, you internalize like, "Oh, all right, all right I'm into okay. that." I would, I would play that, <laughs> and then there's someone right in your ear going "woo" the entire time, and that's the person you want to <laughs> kick out of the press conference. Uh, my fifth and final one is uh, it's from a game that's near and dear to my heart that I should still be going on. I want to play as Captain Blue from Beautiful Joe. Mm. so beautiful joe so mm. when i was when i was younger there was always those what i would call walmart video games where you go to the walmart there's all these demo stations for like ps2s or xboxes or whatever and the tv is always way too high for you so you gotta like crank your neck up and i probably have like long-term neck issues because of this <laughs> and beautiful joe was one of those games where as soon as i started playing it it was like what the fuck it, nothing's like this yeah. There's like a, this this sort of fast paced combo system along with a side scroller, along with a brawler, but it has fast and slow motion and that all depends on what sort of enemies you're around. 
And for people who haven't played Beautiful Joe, I still think if you played that right now, you'd be like, what the hell is this? This is really cool. Definitely. There's a Matrix style like bullet dodging too that just felt good. And Captain Blue is the the character in the game that is seen initially as this like, oh, he's the main hero. He's the person that Joe has always looked up to, but then you realize he's actually a villain. But there's similar to Jekt <laughs> from Final Fantasy X. There's this entire documented Wikipedia story and even in the game a bit about how he got also got sucked into the movies and left like you know he couldn't get back to his like wife and child and it he kept just killing all these villains but over time it hardened him and then suddenly he wanted to take over the real world and i want to know that fall from grace story which maybe again goes against my i'm not a huge prequel guy but in this case i i do want to know how that turned out i want what it was like being captain blue top of the world you're the best everyone loves you to suddenly being this main villain that happens in Beautiful Joe 1. And similar to you just want another game in the Bioshock universe, I just want another game in the Beautiful Joe universe, and I'm using this as the crutch, as this, as the entryway into that. But looking at all the characters that are there, he's the one that's most ripe for a story like this. And I just want to know what a new Beautiful Joe game with modern progression with like a whole bunch of level up systems with getting all these new combos with a whole new cast of characters that fascinates me and i know it's never going to happen but i you still, don't know that okay i don't know no i'm pretty i would bet it's never going to happen but i've always thought yes, like I would, I would take that bet with you okay i just want a new beautiful joe game i think what they did one two there's like red hot rumble but they never finished the story and mm-hmm. I'm not saying we need to finish the story. I just want a new game that is like Beautiful Joe because nothing was like it. And it was just this moment of, holy shit, it's so fun when games surprise you. And I think they could do some way cool, surprising things with Captain Blue in a new Beautiful Joe offshoot. So when I saw this, I thought you were just doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Did you, do you? We are kindred spirits. Did you? Are you aware of my fondness for Beautiful Joe? I had no Joe? idea. Okay, so I I try and vocalize this as often as I can. <laughs> this is my one let's go back and do this again game. Yeah. Like more than, you know, from a nostalgic point of view because I kind of file that in that department because when did these games come out? It was like 04. I was going to say maybe? yeah, probably 04 05. So it's been a minute, right? Uh there's there was uh, when these when this game first came out um i want to look it up uh, it's 2003 okay so that that sounds perfect. so Jesus. i was i was still in college back then and i remember getting uh this game and playing it on gamecube and i just recall thinking oh cool they made a game just for me yep and there was something about you know a lot of it had to do with like you know bullet time was super hot back then i mean you know this was like in the thick of the max pain you know sort of like uh, matrix kind of like uh fascination yeah and beautiful joe just pulled it off in a way that i could not get enough of i played that first game i think i finished that game three times i think i've never done boat. for another game besides like half-life 2 yeah um yeah th- that to go back to that world would be great i don't know of a way like i i i need to play that again and i don't know if you like I don't know if that's where we're going to go right now. It's like, hey, how do we replay Beautiful I'm, Joe right I'm going to start Googling how do I play Beautiful Joe right now. Because I don't think it's like a PS2 classic, is it? I don't think it is. God. I I mean, if I could do that right now, this podcast is now, you know, like a 
it is now a milestone yes. in my life <laughs> timeline. Um, I, yeah, like I would love to go. I remember Captain Blue. I'll never forget his just like weird, like shaky kind of gut. Yep. That would just stick out and like his weird ass crusty mustache. <laughs> and just like, I just always like, I, for whatever reason, like, you know, I get the joke of it. And I knew back then, like, oh, this is just like, they're having fun with this. But like, <laughs> I just recall it being so weird. And when I would try and like show this game to my friends, they would just be like, what are you playing? The like, best fucking you... game. It got a, it got a 93 on Metacritic, it by the way. It's so uh... damn good i just there's you know i will never and there was something like very satisfying about the comic design of the projectiles in that game too like yeah. everything had a real polished uh art direction and and kind of style that game was just dripping with style and that is just something i'm so stoked about you bringing up I mean, it's a genuine hell yeah. for me. Like that is just one of Sign those games that I never truly forget. Like sometimes you're like, oh, I haven't really thought about it in a while. But as soon as someone brings it back up, you're like, oh, my God, how is there not a remaster of this game? There's a Reddit thread about how about a Beautiful Joe remaster. But that doesn't sound like it's an official statement on Beautiful Joe remaster. You know, a Capcom's been surprising us. I think we could we could we could call it maybe yeah. surprising us in the last, you know, 18 months. Um, I think that that resident evil 2 remake is a surprise mm-hmm. i think i think hey i i don't know i think what are we closer to a beautiful joe or a bioshock oh in reality mm. i don't know i i don't i don't know i think there is a, a, a well thought out answer but in this moment of heightened excitement <sighs> I will say I don't know. I don't know either. I okay, if I had to bet I would say BioShock. But it's a really close thing. Also, I, I the only thing I found on PSN is just different uh PS4 like avatars of Beautiful Joe. By the way, my avatar has been Beautiful Joe for around 8 years on PSN. Uh, oh, that is such a weak ass like like yeah. uh like sad like sort of like pacification of that like oh you want you want another beautiful yep. Joe? Well here make your icon look like I paid a dollar for that. It was that <laughs> important to me. I'm oh. this is making me sad. Okay, all right, let's You know what? A year from now, when the PS2 classic comes out. There's an opportunity there. Um, if this actually happens, I will find a way to call you and be like, we need to just have a moment. I want to say it'll be easy to get in touch. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's 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 close this out with your last one. Okay. Uh, again, this now this one I've been, I've been thinking since I've played this game, and I'm sure uh, this pick will resonate with mostly everyone that that hears it and also will might induce some forehead slapping but yeah i want to play as glados from uh from portal mm-hmm. because i want to be the puppet master and i want to just be able <clears throat> excuse me to screw with the rats in the maze and there is something about that character in that game that is this dark comedic kind of uh Maybe in is there, you know, look, I am well aware that GLaDOS is a monster and, but there's some sort of like irony to that yeah. where it's not, you're not, a, you're not like Jigsaw in, in the Saw movies. 
you know, like you're not that bad, but you're bad because you probably kill people. But there's a certain kind of comedy to it that I think for whatever reason gets a pass. Well, do you remember the board game Mousetrap? Of course. Okay. That's what this game is. Like you're setting different things and you're hoping that people just run into something. It doesn't have to be this main smart character from the actual portal games. It's a whole bunch of people who are unsuspectingly going into this area and are just maybe they'll get killed, but it's more about them being hilariously put in terrible situations and you're working against their intelligence. And the ultimate version of this is a PVP thing where one person's glad I was one person's trying to solve the puzzle. And you're almost little big planet style setting those up, except instead of just setting it up and leaving people to figure it out, you're watching over it and you can pull certain levers to halt their progress. That's how this works. This is it. That's it. You done did it. I'm a game developer. I just fantasizing about that. Yeah. There's too much. There's too much happening on this podcast. I know. There's like I mean, the, the, I'm going to be like listening through this again and just having moments of holy shit. We or it'll be like you know when you're drunk and you're having a whole bunch of great conversation, but in the morning you're like all of that was stupid. It could be that too. Well, to no. Well, I well I'm not that drunk. <laughs> I, I I it's only one o'clock here on the East Coast. Oh. I no. I t- to be able to do the kind of like booby trap. Uh, where you're kind of maybe you're you you know you're only given like three of those three of those triggers per round. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, yes. I mean, where like where that could even be someone mod that. I mean, come on. It's, There's been plenty of portal mods, right? Like, where's it at? And it has to be like two or three. You're right. It can't be an unlimited number because then suddenly it's just impossible for the other person to win. But right, you, know, we right. Talk about, you have to select those carefully. Yeah, you know, it's it's games like evolve is a weird example but you think about like this one big thing against multiple other people and maybe it could even be that where glados is the person who you want to be the most in most situations when you match and there's two or even three people in this puzzle room who are trying to cooperatively solve it and you're sort of that force you're the force yes like maybe there's other enemies in the area too this could almost be like a puzzle shooter where like weird half-life type enemies are going through and you are the the the, the dungeon master who is like helping people or like trying to stop people from getting through this sounds fun as fuck. i'm gonna take i'm gonna take it even in a step oh, further right. i'm gonna say something really stupid i'm gonna say a really stupid string of words here <laughs> you this is net now okay so there so selfishly we have the campaign where you can play as glados and and you, you know we'll, we'll develop that story and you will you know pull the strings and do what you do in in the campaign of that then we have the pvp version that mm-hmm. that you mostly uh, uh talked out and then we have and then we have the strange ass inexplicable battle royale version <laughs> okay where you were one person and again like this is probably lifting from a lot of what evolve aspired to mm-hmm. but but where one person is glados and it's a hundred players trying to get through this maze oh my god where only hope where maybe only one gets out or a certain amount of people get out and maybe you know there's like teams where like they can work together towards it where one player maybe has to sacrifice themselves for the good of the team i don't know we're just spitballing here i but I think we have enough buzzwords to get ourselves into a pitch. Maybe. Yeah, we'll find a publisher because for, we need to get the property first. That might be a bigger hurdle. But 
the battle royale aspect of if you even go like a step step further where it's 100 yeah, puzzle rooms and 100 people are dropped individually into each room and whoever yes. gets out first is the winner and the way that you decide like who wins is like that like oh you came in seventh because you took you this long to solve this puzzle. Mm. so there's also that there could be a timed element to oh my god this is we video game we've we've did we've done did it we've made I mean, 10 video games that we have no actual ownership of but maybe we should get into consulting i think we've started that company <laughs> this is a very productive friday this is great i i the, the fact that i've gotten this far and it's only 1 p.m i i mean i i could i could i could close it up for the rest of the weekend here. yeah i'm here to make dreams come true and i haven't even gone to work yet uh <laughs> well jeff let's what are you working on now and where can people find you on social media now that everyone knows you're a genius go sell yourself yes for more uh you know and this advice does come at a cost the first one's free everything else will be uh on, a, on an hourly rate basis uh please follow me uh on twitter at jeff bacalar uh you can follow my barking idiot dog on twitter as well no um uh, I'm on the Giant Peace Cast every week. Uh, that's on giantbomb.com and wherever you receive podcasts. And I think I might have teased this the last time we spoke, but I'm constantly working on new projects for CNET. I do have a new debate show uh, that is coming out. I'm not sure if it's coming out. Uh, when will this air? You said uh, October 1st. First, so Monday-ish. Okay. So it could come out this week. It could come out the week after. It is a debate show where I debate uh, topics, uh, tech topics, culture topics. Uh, you know, one of the topics we just did was, is the PlayStation classic a good idea? And we kind of just have to choose a side and whether or not you agree with that, you still have to debate it. And it's been a lot of fun and that show will be coming out soon. And I will most certainly be tweeting about it when it does come out. So if you follow me, you can catch it. And that is enough plugging for myself that I will do. If you want to steal the idea of whatever we just did with creating game concepts and pitching them, then you can do that for CNET too. I promise I'll only take like 20% of that. No, I, I mean, I think you're owed at least 21. Okay, well, I mean, I mean if we're going to do this, like I'll settle with 20 and a half. If we're, I'll give you the, the friend discount. Uh, thanks for doing this. This is this was even better than what I thought this was going to be because we just randomly threw this idea out, and I think we've created some bizarre, whole new podcast idea. Maybe I should just quit whatever the fuck I'm doing and just do this moving forward. Uh, <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, everyone else, please go to iTunes, rate the podcast, follow it on SoundCloud, follow me. I'm just Iron Odd, and podcast is at the 1099 podcast. Otherwise, there's a billion more coming up. I have the, the lead designer from Tomb Raider, uh, Ben Esposito from Donut County, uh, Felix Kramer. It, it, there's a lot of podcasts going on. So you, you have Ben Esposito coming? Yes, out? I do. Can you deliver a message? Yes. Okay. I need you to tell Ben that his game, and I'm going to get a little emotional mm -hmm. here. His game was the first video game that my son had ever played. Wow. And he needs to know. And I don't know if this was his intention, but he needs to know that he has created something that will stay with me and my son for the rest of our lives. Wow. Because not only does my son come home every day from daycare and say, oh, we got to play the donut game. But this was the first game that he was like able to actually not only control 
with his little three-year-old hands and sort of understand what's going on. He can he laughed at all the characters. This is the first sort of like understanding that my son ever had about what it what it was to like play a video game and what you know what that is and and you know I have a video of him holding the controller wow. for the first time and him playing and him I like this is really like milestone kind of stuff. Uh, so just to, I I know that was sort of a rant. No, that's you could great. Somehow to deliver that message to Ben. That would mean a lot. I am 100% going to do that. I'm adding that to my list of questions to him. But it's not really a question, more of a statement and see what he thinks about with accessibility in his game. That's yeah, fucking awesome. It's, uh, it, was, it was so cool. And, you know, even when you talk about accessibility, my, my son had broken his right arm. Oh. And he couldn't hold the controller in the way that you're, you're sort of supposed to. And he, like, you know, he was able to, like, figure it out holding it just with his left hand and use that left Man. stick, which was, like, a very cute you know, because of his circumstances kind of thing. Uh, just another layer to the whole s- sort of story. But he, we've, we've played through that game six times already. He loves the coyote in the tent. He thinks that's the funniest thing any human has ever done. <laughs> the funniest creation that any humans ever created. So yeah, that's uh that's a really special, special game now for, for me and my son. Man, yeah, I'm recording something. this next sunday i think so now this gives me a whole new thing to talk about this this is great yeah and again like please don't let it dominate your, your discussion well now it's at least going to be a chunk of it importantly because that's awesome it's something i never even thought about with that game and it's way better to do that than ask like the so why a donut like that's that's, <laughs> that's how i ask questions by the way it's and and like i said i don't know if that was his initial intention but man oh man did that register and i know Vinny uh caravella feels definitely the same way in terms of like Hey, that's just a real great, you know, game that relates to kids and maybe, you know, maybe that's not like the 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 first talking point for that game, but it definitely works for, you know, for kids kind of like 6 and under for sure. I love this. You just added a whole new dimension to this conversation, to the conversation I'm going to have with him. So, I super appreciate it. No, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, that's a lot coming up. Uh, thank you again, Jeff. Uh, thank you everyone for listening thank you all the game makers for giving us these ideas because we didn't create any of these characters Uh, and hopefully everyone tunes back into the next episode of the 1099